I feel that my next guest does not need much introduction. She is a household name in Irish business. She is the head of Meta Ireland and vice president of Meta's mid-market global business group for Europe, the Middle East and Africa. I am, of course, talking about the very lovely Anne O'Leary. And you are without a doubt someone we can all learn from. You are one of Ireland's most prominent business leaders who fosters the fantastic culture of collaboration, innovation, inclusivity and diversity in all that you do. I feel so honoured to have the opportunity to chat with you today on Go Do You in association with Irish. You are so welcome, Anne. Thank you. Delighted to be here. I love it. Go do you. Yes. Love it. Yes. Thank you, Amy. Oh, not at all. Thank you. And I'm just going to bring it back a little bit. At the beginning of your career, I read that you worked for a computer company called Nixdorf. And there you learned a lot about the real world of business, head first and full on. What do you think you learned there that you carried with you throughout your business career? I suppose it was an early technology company. I'm kind of trying to think, are they still even there? I think I did learn about the power of tech. The business of Nixdorf enabled a lot of other businesses. Okay. So I could see maybe then the digital transformation and change that was going on and how automation were helping businesses. But it was there as well where I learned about sales. Okay. So I started there kind of doing lead generation and finding sales leads for the salespeople in Nextdorf. Oh. So it was a company that, you know, again, there were opportunities and if you leaned in and you went for them and put your hand up, you were you were supported to do that. And we had a lovely leader at the time called Peter Rainsco. Yeah. And very nice colleagues. And when I put my up my hand enthusiastically, you know, they allowed me and empowered me to do it. And I think it's wonderful as a young girl to find a job and a role and a company that will support you in achieving what you want to do and helping you reach your full potential. Absolutely, I love that. And reaffirming your self-belief to put your hand up, which is nice. To keep putting your hand up. Yes, exactly. Yes, I love it. So after 14 years of working at Vodafone, you decided to change. What was the driving force for that change? So I had been in telecoms for many years, obviously, ESAT Telecom and then British Telecom and then Vodafone. So I don't know, 20, 25 years and many opportunities had come before me in the tech industry. And I'd always been very loyal. Okay. And I've always been successful in the companies I'm in. So it's hard to leave or hard to change. Yeah. but I decided after nine years of CEO of Vodafone that it was time to change. Okay. So this opportunity came up in Meta to lead their Europe, Middle East and Africa organization. And I took it on. Pretty hard to say no though. Wow. <laughs> well, do you know what? Um, obviously Meta is an amazing company. and I'm delighted that I did it. But it's also hard to leave something when you're successful in it. Yeah. And you, you know the culture, you know the products, you know the team. You know, the people. Yes. And I've had to do that, leaving BT, joining Vodafone, which was a great move in hindsight, but it was really hard to leave. Yes. And again, really hard to leave Vodafone. You know, I'm 16 months in the role in Meta and I'm loving it. Good. And I'm loving the change. So I'm glad I took the courage and I had the courage 
So, you know, I probably would say that to people and especially to women yeah. and young girls who can be very loyal. Yes, I can imagine it is hard. Of course it is hard. We were just saying a little bit earlier that it's comfort and growth don't sit together very well. And I think that's a bit about what we're referring to here as well, isn't it? Just to push yourself out of your own comfort zone a little bit. You have to challenge yourself yeah. to grow, yeah. to learn. And it can seem risky. And sometimes you can say, why am I doing this? And it can even be taking on a new role yeah. in an existing, your existing organisation. You know, so... But I, I, I would encourage all the young girls out there that are listening to this is don't be afraid. What would you do if you weren't afraid? Yes. And put up your hand and keep putting up your hand. I love it. And I have a feeling lots of people secretly want to know the answer to my next question, but maybe don't want to ask. But I want to ask, have you ever met Mark Zuckerberg? Well, it's funny you should say that. Yeah. Uh, every January we have a leadership meeting in California. Okay. I, I'm just back. Ah, stop. Oh. I say Mark and his leadership team were at that and it was mind-blowing. Yes. As they use the word awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using awesome <laughs> products and doing awesome things. But yeah, I mean, he is and the company, it's a tech-first, product-first company. They, you know, Meta wants to be at the forefront of technology. Everything is about AI now, as you know. Yeah. And certainly I was invigorated about what the future holds and Meta's role in that. And obviously Mark leads the organization through that. So you certainly feel like you're in a company that's building the future, that's building the next generation of tech. And I feel very privileged to be part of that. And, you know, maybe we all don't fully understand what that is going to look like and what that is going to mean for us. You believe in it, you believe in the people, you believe in the experience, you believe in Mark. Uh, Facebook is 20 years old. Oh my God. Um, so there's big celebrations last Sunday on that for the people that have been here for 20 years in Meta. Our Dublin International Headquarters here is 15 years old. So actually, you know, the company is growing up but it's probably more at a stage now and more mature than people think. Okay. But um, no, certainly a very humble and inspiring leader that I enjoy hearing from. That was the answer I was hoping to get. <laughs> and speaking about AI, Meta is a company that has been at the forefront of AI development for more than a decade. What can Meta, being the tech giant that it is, ensure that AI is developed responsibly and I suppose deployed in a way that benefits most people. Yeah. So look, I think every new technology we get excited about, we get scared by it and then we accept it and then we embrace it. And I think AI is this technology that everyone is talking about. And Davos last week, every CEO in every company is talking about AI is coming. How can I embrace it? How can I become more efficient, productive as a company? How can I compete in the industries I'm in? And I think all of us need to look at that. So from Meta's perspective, as I said, we're 20 years old. We're 15 years based here in Dublin. So it is all about building responsibly. And Mark talks about that and everyone at Meta talks about, you know, building safeguards and guardrails also open sourcing a lot of what we do is so we're working with other te tech industries. I mean, like every new technology, 
it will be regulated. Yeah. So, but I think safety, security, building responsibly is absolutely key uh, for us at Meta and for us as a society. And we hold and take that responsibility very seriously. Yeah. Because there's huge benefits, but then there's lots of risks. Yeah, we've spent over 16 billion in the last few years in terms of that. The investment that's going in to do that in people, in technology and in infrastructure to ensure that AI is, because AI is, you know, rolled out responsibly so that it, we can seek the benefits of it as a society and not get left behind. Yes. Yeah, I love that. Thank you, Anne. I'm interested to know where you learn from who do you turn to for business advice on those big kind of scary decisions that I have no doubt you come across very often where do you turn so look I mean obviously I have mentors that I personal mentors I can talk to but really decisions whether it was in Vodafone or in Meta I listen and I take input on decisions and this is important diversity piece and not just gender diversity, but all types of diversity. I have 35 nationalities on my team. We have over 110 nationalities on the site. My own team are diverse from a gender perspective, from a background perspective, you know, from an experience perspective. So for me, when we're making big decisions, I ask questions and I get as much input from as many people as possible. Okay. Ideally, you want the decision to be made by the team. Yes. Yeah. So they come to it themselves. Okay. Big decisions. But obviously sometimes you may have the final call on it or, you know, you may have to make the decision. But I think the diverse perspectives and backgrounds on decision making is absolutely key. And that group think is not what I want. And I want those diverse voices. And even, you know, people would say to me, you know, I know I said that and you might have agreed with it. I said, I may not have agreed with it and gone through, gone, gone with that decision, but I considered your opinion and I welcome it. So creating the psychological safety in teams and in companies that can, people can speak up so that you are considering all perspectives. Because so many times, and it hasn't even been in my team, I've spoken to other CEOs and they've made a poor decision. And we've talked to them. I said, like, how did you do that? And they said, for some reason, I didn't get that other perspective. It wasn't in the room. So whether it was the wrong team or they didn't feel safe calling it, I think um, I try to get as much perspectives and input as I possibly can. That's really interesting, actually, because you would often... People would say like, oh, but sure, I told you that and you didn't listen or you didn't take it on board. And you're like, no, I actually did consider that. And I sat with it and then I decided, you know, that's. Um, but I think it's important what you said that people feel listened to. Yeah. So sometimes even repeating back, well, Amy, what you said was this. Is that why I'm hearing? And maybe you probe a bit more. What, why are you going with that? Because maybe it's something I don't understand. OK. And, and the higher up you go, you need to. You need to make sure you keep questioning because you do you want to not lose the connection with what's going on. Yeah. 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 So I think keep questioning, keep listening, diverse opinions and, and don't be afraid to say, I don't know the decision. Yeah. I don't have all the answers. I think as a leader You need to say that. You need to show vulnerability. Yeah. Not that you're a know it all, you're a learn it all. Yes, and we're all learning and growing. 
And how do you manage your time to ensure you get the right work-life balance? Because I would imagine it's hard, especially over and back to the States and the different time zones. So what I say to everybody actually is the first person you need to look after is yourself. Because if you're not in a good place, you probably won't do your best work, firstly. And secondly, you certainly can't lead. Yeah. And if you think about someone in my position, where every day things can be thrown at you, that, you know, when you wake up in the morning, you go to work, you just don't know. You're unexpected. Yeah. yeah, unexpected. So you have to be at your best. So I think for me to be at my best, I like being outdoors. I like going cycling up the mountains. I like running. I like walking. I like sea swimming. I like doing my yoga on a Saturday morning. Um, I like being with my friends and my family and my nephews. So finding joy in the things that will help you keep balanced. And everyone has their thing. They don't have to be swimming in the sea. Yeah, yeah, of course. Climbing up mountains. Yeah, it yeah. could be a walk with a friend. It could be listening to your podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, manage, I try to get good sleep. I try to get seven or eight hours sleep a night. I try to eat healthily. I try not to drink too much. Okay. You know, so I really... Make yourself a priority, I suppose. Exactly. Yeah. Is yeah. important. Yeah. I think sometimes I meet young people and they say things, I work really hard, I work all hours, or I didn't take my holidays. Oh, yeah. And I say to them, that's not something I admire. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah. And yeah. they're like, oh, yeah. You need to take your holidays. Yeah. You need to take your breaks because we don't want you to burn out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it's so true. Thank you, Anne. This is a, a big question, I suppose, but in the best way you could possibly answer it, what does success look like for you? So for me, success is that I've lived a joyful, happy life, that I've given back to society, that I've made a difference and a positive difference. So, you know, why am I here at I Wish and on your podcast? Because over the years, I've spoken at these events and people would ping me or text me. Like last week on LinkedIn, I was at an AIB conference because Colin Hunt, the CEO, is a colleague of mine. He asked me to be on a panel. Okay. And somebody sent me a LinkedIn message, which was, Anne, you were my lollipop moment 10 years ago when you told me, stop working away in the corner, lean in, put my hand up, you know, make an effort, make sure you're being known. Make sure your boss knows what you want to do. And I have been promoted three or four times and you do that for me. And that really inspired me. Yes. So I think, you know, if I can inspire the next generation of female leaders, you know, I'd be really happy later on in life when people come up to me and say, I'm the CEO of wherever. I've reached the top because you told me I could. And they can. I love that because they're the things that we think of before we close our eyes in bed at night. They're the things that make us go, oh, yeah, I'm doing something right. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Thanks, Anne. As you said, we are here at the I Wish conference today to encourage teenage girls to pursue STEM careers. In your view, what is one big, bold move we should consider to ensure greater gender participation up for girls in STEM? So look, I think what you're doing is great. More visibility, like seeing the busloads of girls coming here and, you know, meeting people like me and everyone from the tech world and seeing, oh my God, they're quite normal. 
Yeah, look like me, they seem like me. I can do this. So I think continuing to have events, mentorship, sponsorship, doing podcasts like this, if people can't attend in person, knowing that like the world of technology and the opportunity there is huge. They're great industries to be in. So if women want to get into industries where there's huge job opportunities, fantastic reward and enjoyment and to live a fulfilled life, they can do that by going down the STEM route. I think transition year is a fantastic year for young girls to try things out, to experiment, to maybe enter the BT Young Scientist, to maybe work somewhere or spend time exploring the STEM opportunities, or maybe taking extra lessons. Yeah, physics, chemistry, yeah. or maths. Yeah. If they feel that's not their core competency, which, you know, just a bit more work and effort would do it. But I think we need to continue showcasing the opportunity for girls in STEM, because technology companies want to hire girls just like them. So, you know, just do it. Yes, I love it. Go do you. Exactly. <laughs> and you must be so unbelievably proud of everything you have achieved. I have no doubt will continue to achieve. We will always be cheering you on and thank you so much for sitting down with me today on Go Do You in association with Irish. Thank you, Anne. Lovely to be here. Thank you, Amy. It's been wonderful. Thank you.